Hallelujah. Everyone good? Yes, Turn, please, if you would, to the book of 1 Samuel. We'll pick up where we left off last week. The hidden place of the Spirit is, I believe, what we called it last week. The hidden place of the Spirit. And so let's have a look here in 1 Samuel chapter 17. I was reading you. Sometimes it's nice just to read the Bible like a story, because it, it is a story. It's a glorious story here about David. And uh, I can't remember what verse it was that we ended up with. Let me look down here. Praise God. I think it was verse 30 or 29. And David said, what have I now done? I've spoken just a word. I've just asked a simple question. And he turned from him toward another and spake after the same manner. And the people answered him again after the former manner. Praise God. So we were talking about Brother David. Yeah. Not David Hogan. <laughs> Brother David. Amen. Uh, uh, Brother David of Jesse, the Bethlehemite. Yeah. Amen? Amen. And uh, I was sharing some thoughts with you about uh, something the Lord revealed to me that was fresh revelation about how he was watching the sheep. Yeah. And those sheep represented places out. Uh, remember when they anointed him, they didn't even know where he was. He's out, he's out yonder somewhere. He's out in the wilderness somewhere. He's in a secret place. He's in a hidden place. He's in a place that's not common. He's in a place that nobody really can, can access easily and simply. And the Holy Ghost said, uh, would you like to know what that means? I said, yes, sir. And he said, now, that's not the only meaning. I'm sure the Bible was multidimensional. It's like a diamond. There's lots of different ways you can look at Scripture. But this is one that I've never seen before. I've never heard preached before, but I heard the Holy Ghost speak it to me. And he said, that place where he was with the sheep, that place of solitude, because really the wilderness represents solitude. It doesn't represent busy life. It represents getting away from the hustle and bustle of his, of his seven brothers and his father right? It represents being out there doing something by himself, really in a secret place or in a hidden place. And the Lord reminded me, and he said, do you remember, now I've heard other people say it since, but he said, do you remember I showed you years ago when you did that series on Psalm 91? Years ago. And he said, I showed you that first verse, those that dwell in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And I've been asking God for years, what does that secret place mean? What does that mean? I've looked it up in the, different, in the Hebrew. It doesn't really, you know, it doesn't it just gives you the definition, but doesn't really show you. Certain things are layered in the Scripture. Certain things you need the Holy Ghost to show you supernaturally by revelation. You can't just get it by studying the Hebrew or the original language. Most of the Scripture is like that. And he pulled the veil back from me and he said, the secret place is the place of the Spirit. And then I heard Copeland say that years later, and then I heard, obviously they probably knew it long before I did, but I did, hadn't heard anybody say that before. Pastor Nancy said it many times, but that, that secret place is the place of the Spirit. Remember, Kenneth Hagin said, the whole point of the New Testament is life in the Spirit. Faith is a part of life in the Spirit. Forgiveness is a part of life in the Spirit. But everything, the, the umbrella that we're under in this age, this dispensation of grace, is called life in the Spirit. Not just praying in the Spirit. When Pastor Nancy would spend hours and days praying, 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 and yes, there's help with that. Praise God. That's awesome to do. But the Lord spoke to her and said, you're missing it. Yeah. After all that effort, God, God wasn't just here to, to pat her on the back and say, good job. But he said, you're missing it. It's, I'm not just trying to lead you into a life of praying in tongues. I'm trying to lead you into life of in the Spirit, which includes tongues, but it's not limited to tongues. It includes worship. It includes silence. It includes faith. It includes study. It includes revelation. It includes intercession. It includes lots of things. Amen. 
It includes flowing in the gifts of the Spirit. It includes abundant provision. It includes lots of things. Life in the Spirit is not just tongues. That's the door of entrance into the Spirit. If you get into a mansion, there's a lot more than the, than the little foyer. There's many rooms that you, can, that you can explore. Praying in tongues opens the door for you, but most of you just stand there. Wow. Most of us just stand there, Sandy. We got in and we're like, <laughs> okay, good, good, goodbye. And we close the door and go, go out our regular life. And then we pray in tongues again. We come in <laughs> and then we go again. And that's all we ever do. But what God wants you to do is not just pray in tongues to get in, but he wants to explore. He wants you to learn. He wants you to see that there's a whole nother life in there. Dominion is part of life in the spirit. Right thinking and renewing your mind is part of life in the spirit. It's all part of this umbrella. And that secret place is a place really of prayer. It's a place of, of not just in a prayer closet, physically a prayer time, but it's a place where he abided. It's a place where we can be, we can live a life where even though we're about going about our regular duties, you don't have to be in a prayer closet to be in the spirit. Do you understand? God wants to get us to a place where we're so conscious of him on a regular basis, whether we're praying physically or not praying physically, because our hearts are turned toward him all day long and we think about him all day long and we're communing with him all day long. Do you do that? While you're doing your work, do you know that you can commune with him? While you're driving, do you know that you can commune with him? And there's a lot of distractions that would hinder all that stuff. So learn to cut the distractions away. You can commune with him when you're, when you're, you know, on your lunch break. You can commune with him even while you're working. We're not telling you not to do a good job. Do a good job. But, the, but nobody can steal your communion with God. That's up to you if you have that or not. Yeah. And you don't have to get into some deep place of intercession when your boss is paying you to do your job. Do your job. But what I'm saying is there can be a communion. Remember, Pastor talked about that other woman of God that she knew that said this statement about that lady that had a difficult husband and he was a hard man and they lived way out. I think it was Wisconsin or North Dakota, somewhere way out in the, in the bushes and they just were in the boonies and they had like a bunch of kids. They were all, I don't know, they were all homeschooled if I remember correctly. And she was just so busy, you know, just with taking care of the kids and cooking and cleaning and she didn't have a washing machine and she would hang her clothes up to, you know, to dry on the lines like they do in the country. And, uh, and, 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 and that, and the Lord showed in the spirit this other minister, that lady, uh, she, had a, uh, she had a vision, basically. She saw into the realm of God, but God was showing her an image of that lady. And that lady, that housewife, wasn't a minister, wasn't a reverend, just a regular, just a regular Christian, just like you. And she was so busy, and she had so much to do in her life. Your life might look different, but it's probably just as busy. You may not be doing laundry and cooking, or maybe you are, maybe you're not, but your life is just as busy. And she saw into the realm of spirits, and she saw God showed her that lady as she was hanging up her clothes, and she was singing and worshiping God in the spirit and in English. And she was just singing while she put the clothes on, and she just stopped for a minute and just, oh, I love you. And she just started, she just continued. And the Lord spoke to that other minister and said, uh, and said I commend her this woman that, that she's seeing in the spirit. I commend this woman because despite her busy life, she has found a place. She has stayed in that place of the spirit despite the busyness. She still did the work. She didn't just sit there and pray and then tell her husband, sorry, there's no dinner and all the, all the clothes are dirty because I had to pray. That's not appropriate. You got to do your stuff in the natural, but in the natural elements, she found a way to commune with God. And God said to the other minister, I commend her for that. She didn't let the business of life steal her place of the spirit. I want God to commend me. That lady was telling Pastor Nancy, that other minister was telling Pastor Nancy of that experience. And so Pastor has preached that many times because it had great impact on her. Then it's had great impact on me because no, no, nobody can say you're too busy. No, nobody can say you're too busy. 
communion is irrelevant to busyness. Yes. Talking to Jesus, loving the Holy Ghost, thinking about Him, meditating on His Word, praying in the Spirit, worshiping Him. You can do that while you're driving. You can do that while you're typing. Sometimes you have to concentrate, of course, but there are many times you can pull throughout the day. And if your job is so stressful that you really can't because people are around you or they're watching you or whatever, everybody, everyone's got a different environment. But you can, you, can pull time, you can pull time aside. You can take your break and just go somewhere quiet or take your lunch hour. There's always a way to get this done. People that don't commune, it's just because they don't want to. They'll use the excuse that, well, I can't because of this and because of that. But if you really want to, you'll find a way. If you really want to, you'll find a way. And can I tell you something for those of you that your jobs are hard and they're a burden to you and you're believing God maybe for a better job or for something you enjoy more. I've been there for years. I've been there where that hard, it's a hard, it's hard. Some of you, you're lucky. You've never, you're blessed. You've never had a job that's really hard. You've enjoyed all the jobs you've had. But most of us have had seasons where we didn't enjoy going into work. Let me tell you something. The easiest way to get through a hard job and a hard day and difficult co-workers and cruel bosses is to commune with the Holy Ghost, is to have him so close to you, you can feel him all day long. You say, is that possible? Absolutely. If you don't feel him, you're missing out. You can get so intimate with him that he, you can sense him there. Not in a weird way where now you're not, you're shirking your responsibilities, but where he is present with you. And any moment you can pull away to spend time with him you want. That's called maintaining a place of the Spirit, occupying a place of the Spirit, despite the life. Amen. That's what we're supposed to be doing. I don't know if people really understand it, Jenny. My job is not to make you do it. My job is present it to you and say, this is what, this is what we should be doing. There's a lot of New Testament scripture for this, especially Galatians 5, 16, walk in the spirit, live in the spirit. He, ta he tells us many verses, walk in the spirit, live in the spirit, abide in the spirit. You won't, you won't, you will crucify the deeds of the flesh. You won't sin as much if you'll just stay in the spirit. You have a sin problem, it's because you're not in the spirit. If you're struggling with addiction, it just simply means you're not in the spirit. If you just get in the spirit, that thing will die by itself. You don't have to be binding this. I'm not saying don't answer the devil and don't bind the devil. There's a place for that. But if you just get in the spirit and stay in the spirit, all that stuff will lose its power over you. The dominion in the spirit will take care of all that stuff. You're afraid of COVID? Just get in the spirit. All that stuff will evaporate like water. Shh, just like steam will just go off you. It will. It really will. All that stuff, that crud of the world that creeps up on us. And, the, and, and all the things going on in society. Uh, I'm not saying you should be a hermit. I, I watch occasionally. I want to have some basic knowledge. But, but I, well, as soon as I start feeling that thing, that spirit of the world or that concern or that worry or that, or that annoyance, sometimes it's just annoyance because you watch too much about politics and it makes you annoyed, especially if you're opinionated and you have strong, a strong constitution and mind like I do and you really believe that you're right. Whether you are or not, you really believe that you're right. And in some areas, we are right because we're going with the word. And we're seeing them going with devils and not the word. And it can rile you up. But I've noticed too much of that riling up. Get me out of the spirit. So what are you sacrificing by involving yourself in? Uh, you're, be careful because you could be sacrificing time in the spirit. Getting out of that place that keeps you safe and that keeps you peaceful and that keeps you glorious and that keeps you calm and that keeps you listening to God. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. 
Praise the Lord. Praise you, Jesus. So we, we I, I just, he showed me. I've never seen that. I've read that story a hundred times. I've never seen that. He said that place of the wilderness, of the seclusion, of the isolation, that place hidden, that place out there where nobody wants to be. Remember, they didn't want to be there because all the other brothers came, but not him. He's out yonder somewhere. That place of away from busyness represented it represented, watching the sheep represented him communing with God. And we know he obviously did because he wrote some of the Psalms while he was watching the sheep. And theologians tell us that. And obviously he had to be in the spirit for the gift of faith to operate and the working of miracles to operate because no 14-year-old, well, that was 14 is when he left. So he attacked that lion at 13 or 12 or whatever. What 12-year-old can kill a lion? And did you notice it says, and when he came up against me, I grabbed him by the beard. Do you know where the beard is? Right here. He put his hand right where the mouth was of a lion. He wasn't pulling his tail. He wasn't trying to, you know, shank him in his belly. He went right for the face and said, come here. And he smote him. That takes the working of miracles for a young teenager to do that. A young teenager, I don't care how strong you are, can't do that. And then a bear, a bear, a bear. That's the working of miracles that is an intervention into the ordinary course of nature. Because the ordinary course of nature, the bear eats you. You don't grab the bear by the beard and knock him down and kill him. That's an intervention into the ordinary course of nature. For my Bible school students that know exactly what I'm talking about, and the rest of you don't, praise God. Hallelujah. That's an intervention. Because it's the work in the miracles and the gift of faith precedes the work in the miracles. That means he had to have been in the spirit. He had to be thinking about God, not just looking for crickets when he saw the lion come. So when he's, we know just from natural knowledge of the Bible, when he was out there, he was worshiping and he was singing and he was communing and he was operating in the gifts of the spirit. We already know that. But the Lord just took it one little step further for me and said when he was out there, yes, he was doing those spiritual things, but that whole, that whole location, it represents something. It represents being tucked away in that secret place of the most high. It represents seeking God. It represents communion with God. Do you understand? David told me, just, just about that bear, I just want to say this quickly, uh, but, but, but he, he, when he went to uh, Vladivostok and right, right on the border, it's Russia, but just 20 kilometers or less is North Korea border. It's right there and the devils there are, are supersized. And so he was at a conference there and the pastor, I won't give you all the story, but anyway, uh, wonderful, precious people, real like persecuted, real persecution. The kind of stuff where, you know, you have to be hit underground church kind of stuff. But anyway, they would have underground conference and they invited David and he was the main speaker. Underground conference, meaning not you're physically underground, but you're in secret locations where the KGB and all these different people can't find you. And because they're looking to arrest you. And so you better know that God sent you there because they arrest you, you never get out. Period. So, I mean, when David, you understand, when David talks this kind of stuff, it's like he, he walks a realm that most people could never, could never handle. They could never handle. They just, you just, you just couldn't handle that. Most Christians just couldn't handle that. So I respect his strength and I respect his ability to be led by the spirit despite much danger and life-threatening danger. But he met a man there who was from Siberia, way north, north, northwest of where they were, northwest. And the man was take, giving a testimony in Russian. And the translator was telling David the testimony as he's talking in Russian. Because the pastor had said, come brother, he's an older man, come brother and tell us about the bear. 
So he comes and all these hundreds of people there, uh, and he says, in Russian, he says, well, I was, he lives way out in the middle of nowhere, okay? He says, well, I was, I, he I heard a noise, and I looked out of my cabin, it's a cabin in the woods, looked out of my cabin and my six-year-old grandson was in the mouth of the bear. This black bear had come out of the woods, grabbed his grandson by the side, lifted him up, and was walking into the woods with him to eat him. And he said, six years old, Luke's age, Jenny. What would you do if you saw a bear holding Luke by the thing and walking into the woods? And he said, and I said to the bear, you can't do that. I mean, how many people you talk to bears? He doesn't understand English. But the man talked to him in Russian like he could understand him and said, you can't do that. And the bear stopped and turned and looked at him with his grandson in his mouth, looked at him, looked back at him. And he said, I said in the name of Jesus, you can't do that. Now drop him. He said it in Russian. And the bear opened his mouth slowly. His grandson fell out and his, the bear turned, walked off right into the woods. And he went and he had me, he's, you know, he's got puncture wounds. He's crying. He's bleeding everywhere. But they were able to save us, save his life. Now that's called, that's called dominion. Because most people, if that were to happen, you'd look for the shotgun, which wouldn't help you against the bear in most cases. Or you'd be calling 911. By the time they get there, he's picking bones out of his teeth. You know what I'm saying? Or you just pass out because of fear. I'm trying to get you to not, to not be afraid of COVID. I, I, got a, I got an uphill battle to get you to not be afraid of bears. I'm trying to get you not to be afraid because if you're in the spirit dominion pushes everything out everything out everything must submit to you if you really know God everything must. that's why I'm the way I am I'm not trying to be mean to anybody I'm the way I am a bit I know some of you disagree I know some of you say I'm extreme I know some of you this some of you that I don't really care what you say or what you think I've seen things that you haven't seen I've been places you haven't been. I've been in malaria zones. I've seen death. I've had my life flash before my eyes when they tried to murder me in, De in, in Delhi. I know what it's like to face trial. And not just a mask. Real, real danger. Not none of this pansy stuff that you guys are facing. A little bit of germ here, a little bit of germ there. I'm talking death. So it marks me. Because I've seen what dominion can do. I've seen how things submit their knee to those that know who they are in Christ. And I've also seen people die who think they know who they are in Christ, but don't. So I'm ruined. I'm ruined for life. Maybe you want a pansy preacher. Maybe that you want a willy-dilly spineless preacher that'll tell you, oh, let's be afraid. But I, I'm not like that. I'm never going to be like that. Because I understand we've been given something so throbbing with power from, it's greater than any nuclear power. It's Holy Ghost, throne room, vibrating power. And bears obey, and viruses obey, and demons obey, and murderers obey, and, and muggers obey. They obey. When David's preaching and the, and the Muslim guy comes out, this is, in, this is in northern Mozambique where it's all Muslim territory, and they came out. He had about 30 guys with him with AK-47s. They've got the war paint on. They take drugs. You don't know this part of the world. 
because you live in a bubble. But most people don't live in a bubble. They face death every day, especially in those countries. And they take drugs to soup themselves up so that they can commit atrocities without conscience. Drugs cause that to happen. So they're all high. They're all stoned when they come. No, they are. That's not a joke. They, they come like that because it helps them to commit atrocities without, without feeling it. And they came. David's got about 20 people there with him. And they've got about 30. And, and they come and David says to his people, line up. And all his people line up. I mean, they're, they're going to get executed. These are Muslims. You're in their territory. They kill you. They don't, you don't understand. They don't, they, don't, they don't put you in prison and ask for a ransom. They shoot you in the head. That's what they do. That's what they do in different parts of the world. Don't go there if you don't know what dominion means. Don't go there with your mask because they'll kill you. And that man, those men lined up face to face with every one of his men. There were more of them than David. And the head guy, he said he was huge. He said, I've never seen a human being cut. Like, I mean, he just looked like a monster. Just muscle bulging, looked like Mr. Olympia kind of thing. No shirt on, just this beautiful black skin, oiled skin, just looked like a perfect specimen of, of, of manliness, but wants to murder him. He's got war paint, because they paint their face when they kill people. He's got war paint on him, and, and, he's, and he comes, and he, and he stands right in front of David, and they're all having a face off. They've come to murder them. They don't play games. They kill you and they ask questions later. And he said, you have no right to be here in my, in my, in my this is my territory. And <laughs> you better know who you are. David, look, but see, that's a gift of faith come on him. That gift of faith comes on him because he, he does things that are crazy. That to the natural mind you would never do. And he said, come closer. David said to the man, come closer. And he came, he said, closer. And he came until their noses touched together. And when their noses touch, you know how close you have to be to touch your nose? To a guy with war paint that's got a gun to kill you? And when they were touching those, he said, I curse your God in the name of Jesus. Oh, my God. He said, I bind your devil. You will not touch us. We are here to preach the gospel. And that man, he was so shocked. He went back like this and he started going back and he said, who are you? We've never met somebody like you. He said that because everybody's afraid. He said, I'm not afraid of you or your gun. You don't know who you're dealing with. He said, back down. We are preaching. You want to get saved. They sat and listened with their AK-47s on the ground to him preach the gospel. Not all, but some of their troop got born again. And when they left, that man said to him, when you come back, come to my village. I welcome you as my guest to preach the gospel to my people. This is a Muslim man that kills Christians for a living. You see, uh, dominion will not bow. And we don't have enough preaching on it. We all we have preaching on political correct. Don't offend anybody. Put your mask on. And I'm not saying don't put your mask on because I put my mask on when I'm out. I don't feel like putting up with nonsense people yelling at me. So I just put it on. I'm not interested in a fight, not that kind of fight. It's a waste of my time, that kind of fight. But don't you dare think for a second I'm putting my mask on to protect me from some stupid virus. Because I understand the blood of Jesus. And the blood of Jesus stops every virus and every germ, not my mask. 
to a sinner that doesn't know God and is welcoming by magnetic power. They fear welcomes, fear draws sickness into your pores. For those kind of people, you better wear seven masks and dip it in disinfectant before you wear it because you're going to get sick because your fear is a magnet for disease. But for the dominion-minded Christian, we wear it not to get into a fuss, but we don't wear it for protection. I don't know why I'm on this tonight. This is not what I planned on saying at all, Jennifer. But I find sometimes the Holy Ghost gets fed up. He gets fed up because he sees what these people in other countries live. He sees the dominion they walk in. And we have so much teaching. We have more teaching than they do. And here we are, wishy-washy, wondering if this, can God do that? But, oh Lord, but. Buts belong in the seats, not in sentences. He outs out there in that secret place. And it was that secret place that got him noticed. You read it in the previous chapter. O king, demon, demonized and oppressed. There is a young man we've heard about. Skillful in music and a man of war, they said. So obviously they'd heard something about his fighting abilities, even as a young teenager. Maybe the, maybe the noise spread abroad about the lion and the bear. I don't know. They didn't tell him about the lion and the bear. They said he was a man of war. Let us go get him. So they come and they find him. See, when you're in that place with God, you'll get noticed. Don't try to get noticed the other way. That's the flesh way. Just seek God. Just get into God's presence. Whatever you need for your business, favor with your boss, with the person above your boss, with this, with that, with the real estate agent, with whatever, with your future spouse. Just let God cause people to notice you. It'll work out better for you. Instead of you trying to get everybody to notice you because you're doing it in the flesh. Then he comes. So the first thing we had said was there was a secret place in the spirit uh, before he got noticed. Then he comes and about three years, theologians tell us about three years, he's there as working, serving, playing when that evil spirit come. And he, was, he learned to become his armor bearer. Think about how mighty he must have been in battle to be the king's armor bearer. The king is the most important man in the kingdom. His armor bearer has to be a mighty man of valor because he protects the king in battle. You don't have some wimp as your armor bearer. You have the greatest warrior champion. And here's David, the king's armor bearer. Wow. He's doing a season of natural preparation, some menial duties, but also advancement through faithfulness. You want to be promoted? Just be faithful. David was faithful. He got promoted. David got in the spirit. He got noticed. And then in the natural, he was faithful. He got promoted. Are you listening to me? Get in the spirit. You'll get noticed. Stay faithful in natural things, even no matter if they're small or not, and you'll get promoted. It's God's law. It will always work that way. And then just before greatness comes, greatness is Goliath. Goliath isn't great, but his defeat is greatness. It's a story that even unsaved people know. You'll hear people say it's like David and Goliath. They don't know anything about God or Jesus. They're no more a Christian than I'm an astronaut, but they all know about David and Goliath because it's a, it's a global story because never has a little teenager killed a nine and a half foot beast with a stone. Well, it wasn't just him. It was the working of miracles. Nobody can string a stone, a stone to sink into the, the, the cavity of the brain. It takes the velocity of a bullet to sink into the cavity of the brain. But see, God wasn't just working. It wasn't just David. God was working with David. But did you notice the angel didn't sling the stone? God didn't just show up and do it for him. 
A lightning bolt didn't just strike him in the head. God used natural means. He worked through the natural realm to cause greatness. And he will work through natural things for us many times to cause greatness. Now he's in a, he's about to have, he's been, he's been faithful, he's been promoted, and God says, I want to make you great. I, I, want, I want to do something marvelous through this young man of faith. So what does he do? Instead of going to the Valley of Elah, we read all this last week, he goes back with the opposite way, back to Bethlehem. But he's the king's armor bearer. The king's going into battle. Why is he not going to the battle? It's the opposite direction that he should be going. Everything in the natural will dictate that you do X, Y, and Z. But sometimes God says, go back to that place of the Spirit. Because he went back to watch the sheep when they went to battle, yet he was the armor bearer. There was no logic why he should not go with them except something in God, something in his heart knew God wanted him to go back to the sheep. So the Lord said to me, go back to that place of the Spirit. You've got to be in that place of the Spirit in preparation for greatness. You've got to be in the place of the Spirit to get noticed, and you've got to be in the place of the Spirit for God to really cause things to explode. And really, he said to me, this whole Hebron season of seven and a half years is all one big place of the Spirit. There's a lot of natural things, of course, that we're doing. There's a lot of mini Goliaths that we're... But, but, but we are in a preparation zone for something called the last day great revival. And I know nobody really talks about it. I know a lot of other ministers don't talk about it. But there has to be somebody crying in the wilderness. And maybe, maybe I'm one of the, one of the few, because there's not that many out there, believe me, that are talking about the last day great revival. Let me tell you, the ones that don't talk about it won't enjoy it. And if they do enjoy something, it will just fall on them out of mercy but not because they paid any price for it. We're talking about it because we're going to experience it. And you think it's, you think it's easy to talk about it? Because I leave the pulpit when the anointing's gone, and I sit there at home and I think, what the heck did I say? Why am I talking about this? This I shouldn't be talking about this. If it doesn't happen, I'm a bona fide liar. I'm not just a liar, I'm bona fide liar. They'll all leave. They'll all turn on me. You see, because when you're in the natural mind, without God's influence upon you, your brain thinks, how's this possible? How's this possible? How's this possible? It's not possible. But when God is on you and he's influencing your thoughts and he's anointing your words, God will say things that you and your own ability would probably not say. Because you don't want to be held to account. But so every time, I, I never talk about it unless I feel the anointing on me because I don't want to talk about it in my flesh. I don't want to talk about it at all. But it will surely come to pass. The last day great revival is coming, Jenny. It's coming. Men far greater than me have seen it in the spirit and prophesied it. Men far greater than you have bled and died for it. And they've prophesied over it. People in Toronto from the time of that revival in 1924 to 1932. And, and, and that church continued on. Old Evangel Temple. People have been praying for Toronto for decades. People that are now dead and gone to heaven have prayed for the last day great revival. And for whatever reason, Rosita, God saw fit. Not that we deserve it. Because there's nothing inherently good in any of us. But for whatever reason, God saw fit to say, I'm going to pick this group to be alive. I'm going to position them. They could have been so many places in the world and so many places in Ontario and so many places in the GTA and there's hundreds of churches, but I'm going to position them right here. And I'm going to anoint some guy who maybe doubts himself when the anointing's gone, but when, he's, when the anointing's on him, he can't deny it. I'm going to anoint him to tell them that there's going to be another revival. 
and I've assigned them to come and sit and help and bring a supply and pray and then flow in that revival when it comes. And they're going to build a place called the Glory Center and it is going to house the glory of God. And we're going to see miracles like we've never seen, like Branham saw. We're going to see miracles like A.A. Like Allen saw. We're going to see it. I'm telling you, we're going to see it. I, I, I know it. I know it like I know my name is Craigfield. We're going to see it. And people have prayed for this. Our, our efforts are upon their prayers. Their prayers built a platform for us. This is a holy thing. And God is looking for somebody not to mess it up with their seeker-sensitive garbage and their fear-mongering garbage. He's looking for dominion. Hallelujah. Sometimes I look at people, Jenny, and I really can't tell by their facial expression if they're horrified or holy. I really can't tell, honestly, because they look at me like, I don't, know what those, I don't know what those eyes mean. Are you horrified or are you gloriously excited? I don't know. But I'll just try not to look at you. I'll just look at my notes. So he says, now go back to that secret place, that place of prayer, because greatness is coming. And he went back and he prayed and he sought God. It represents seeking God. And all of a sudden, now his daddy says, go. And he comes. We read all this last week. And he, and he, and he hears this, this uncircumcised. And remember, if you're dominion-minded, you're always covenant-minded. You're always covenant-minded. Don't you understand? It's me and God. It could be 50 of you. It's me and God. We're the majority. I'm in a covenant. He can't let me down. I can't get sick and die if I understand my covenant. In fact, I can't get sick at all if I understand my covenant. I can't go under in my business if I understand my covenant and I'm led by the Spirit. If you're covenant-minded, it's total dominion. So David is covenant-minded. These other guys aren't. He can't understand why they're afraid. Like, I can't understand why you're afraid. That's why preachers get exasperated. If they understand covenant, they can't understand how covenant people don't think in covenant terms. There is no fear in covenant. There's no sickness in covenant. There's no poverty in covenant. Nothing. Nothing but victory. Nothing but victory in covenant. <gasps> Why are you afraid, he says? Who is this uncircumcised, uncovenanted man? How dare he defy us? He's defying God. He's not defying you. He's defying God. How dare he? What will be done for him? Well, if you kill him, you're going to get, you're going to get a new wife. That could be a blessing or a curse. In David's case, it was a curse. You're going to get a new wife, a real peach, and then you're going to be tax-free. I'll take the tax-free over the new wife any day, unless it's God's will. Now, if you've got a good wife, like, like Blair's got, and like I've got, and like, and like, and like uh, Reverend, Gra Reverend G Greg's got, if you've got a good wife, then it's better than tax-free. But if you've got a peach, I'd rather take the tax-free and leave the peach at home. You're going to get money too. Not only no taxes, you're going to get wealthy. He's going to bless you. You're going to get riches. And so he says, really? Tell me again. That's what he said. Tell me again. Remember? Because they repeated after the same manner as before. So he's so excited. James, he's like, a woman, a girl? No paying money and getting money instead. I like what I hear. Tell me one more time. That's what David, if you read it, that's what David, he's trying to process. Now, maybe he had seen the girl, so he wasn't too excited. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. But I, all I know is that he said, tell me again. 
And then, of course, now he's, he's covenant-minded. He's been prepared in the realm of the Spirit. Greatness is upon him. And what happens? Betrayal. So when people betray you, don't, don't cry too hard because it's just part of the deal. If Jesus got betrayed and David got betrayed, you're going to get betrayed. Everyone gets betrayed. Just keep guard your heart. Stay in the Spirit and you won't get a hard heart over it. I shared that more last week. I won't repeat that. We don't need a hard alligator skin. We just need to stay in the Spirit. We can love everybody and yet not be hurt when they stab us. Because God protects us. Hallelujah. And so his own brother, his own his elder, which was like second to his father, his, his blood, the one he respects, the one he loves, the one closest to him, just like Judas was close to Jesus, just like there may be somebody close to you, misunderstands his motive, accuses him falsely, judges him, betrays him. You're, you, I know you, you're just here for the wrong reasons. And he says, what have I done? I want to ask us a question. Yeah. Well, he actually asked two questions because he said, tell me again. <laughs> but, but all I ask is a question. Why are you freaking out on me? Right. You see, so I'm just saying, you know, just before, just when greatness, you think everything's grand and everything's great. Just, 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 just stay in the spirit. Amen. Because you don't know, you don't always know the hearts of people. Yeah. They may say a bunch of nice words, Amen. but you don't always know what's going on in the back of their mind. Just stay in the spirit, then you'll be safe. Yeah, amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. So can we pick it up? I got over on the bear story, and I lost my, my, my notes. So Praise God. So my God, my God, my God. Woo, I'm telling you what dominion we have. Amen. What dominion. What dominion, Jennifer. What dominion. We never have to be afraid of anything again. Ever. You're going down on a plane, stand up and commission the angels. It will hold the, it happened three times with Jesse Duplantis and the plane was upheld by the power of God and the pilots couldn't figure it out. That's dominion. If a bear comes, if a crocodile comes, if a, if a Doberman pincer comes, speak. That's called dominion. By the way, all of you are afraid of crickets and, and, and sharks and you're arachnophobes, you're afraid of spiders. You need to meditate on what God told Noah when he came out of the ark. He said, the fear of you and the dread of you will be upon every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. If you meditate on that, such dominion will emanate from you that when some kind of animal is threatening you, a dread will come on them by the Holy Ghost. I know you're why are you laughing? You don't believe that's true? So many of you are afraid of every little creepy crawly and oh my God, the snake. Cheapers, ah! creepers, come on. The fear of you and the dread of you. That's if you believe. If you believe, nothing can touch you. Moving right along, Reverend, Reverend Taylor. We're just going to move right along because they didn't like that. They like their cricket phobia. They like it. So I'm going to move right along. Bunch of nonsense. Praise God. Hallelujah. Help us, Jesus. Jesus, help us to understand dominion. Help us to understand dominion. That when the snake comes out of the fire and attaches itself upon our arm, that we don't go, and start praying in warring tongues. We don't call 911. I'm not saying that you can't, but if you understand dominion, you don't need to. You go, That's why I love Dr. Sumrall. Grunts of faith. He walked into his hotel room and he had a full-blown heart attack. The thing seized down. He could feel his thing. And you know what he did? He went like this. Huh! That's what he did. He hit his own heart. Huh! I don't have time for this. I've got to preach. 
That's called dominion. He said that. Get off me in Jesus' name. Heart you beat normal. And immediately it stopped and he was perfect. Never had another thing the rest of his life. Most of you, you're trying to remember, well, what, what are all the, the, the acronyms I'm supposed to do? This, that. Call nine, nine, nine. Just, that's for sinners. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. If you don't have faith, then you better know the acronym. I'm saying if you can meditate long enough on dominion, not even heart attacks scare you. I'm serious. <laughs> Brother, what's his name? Say happy birthday to Brother Morris. M Morris Torello. Yes. That's how I remember his name because I can't always remember his name. But he talks in the third person all the time. So he'll say, say happy birthday to Brother Morris. He's talking about himself, but, but you know. Morris Torello is a wonderful man of God. Didn't he die recently? He's in heaven, right? But what a, what a oh my God, what a powerhouse. And he was in Haiti and they were driving to the meeting and the, when the witch doctors had gathered and they put her kexes and her curses and spells and got little, little, uh, little, what do you call them? The little ball. <laughs> Why did the devil so stupid, man? The devil makes dolls. Only the devil plays with dolls. Dominion people don't play with dolls. Only witches play with dolls because they're pansies. That's what they are, Jenny. They're pansies. They play with dolls. And they put in the little spikes in it. <laughs> and he's in and he's in the in the car and he has a full-blown heart attack as he's on the way to the meeting <laughs> and the Holy Ghost said to him they're cursing you those demons obeyed their words came into that car tried to kill him before he got to the meeting and then he didn't have the teaching that we have but the Lord helped him the Lord said answer it he never read Pastor Nancy's book <laughs> because Pastor Nancy hadn't written the book Answer it. And he said, I answer you in Jesus' name. I curse your curse. I commanded to go back to the darkness. And immediately that heart attack stopped. See, the devil plays with dolls. And he got to the meeting and they were all sitting in the front row with their dolls. And one of them started to interrupt the service and the gift of faith came on him. And he stood up and he said, the next one that opens their mouth, I'll curse you and you'll die. The power of God will kill you. And literally, like Ananias and Sapphira, it would have. And the fear of God fell upon those witch doctors, and they all sat with their little dolls. Hmm. <laughs> That's right. Hold your doll. I'm not making light of the power of demons. But I'm saying they're a fly against a hurricane. If you understand who you are, praise God, Taylor. I know some people say, oh, don't provoke the devil. Oh, we'll provoke him, all right. Because... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to provoke to just cause a problem. I'm, I'm trying to get you to understand. There's nothing, there's nothing, there's nothing, there's nothing, there's nothing. There's nothing, there's nothing out there that can overcome the dominion of the Christian. Nothing. You got to meditate on it so you won't be so afraid when you go to the grocery store. I'm going to tell you something that's going to offend some of you. So just hold on to your hats and don't get offended with me, Okay. I was out somewhere and I couldn't, I forgot my mask. I was going to an appointment and I couldn't turn back because I didn't know where to go buy one. And I don't want to fuss. I don't want to argue with anybody. I want people to leave me alone because I'm in the spirit and I want to stay there. Are you with me? Some of you, you just want to fight all the time. Some fights aren't worth it. Stay in the spirit unless the Holy Ghost tells you to confront. And most times he'll just tell you to comply. So just stop being a weirdo and comply. Are you with me? Yeah. 
That's a balanced approach. I'm not a crusader of anti-masking. I just want to stay in the spirit. Unless he tells me to say something, I shut my mouth. That's how the right way to be. And I'm, there, and I'm gonna miss this appointment. I can't, the mask is in the wrong vehicle. I can't find the mask. I don't want, it's a medical facility. They're like mask Uber. I mean, they probably got armed guards outside, 20 feet away, put the mask on. I know I'm in for a fight. I say to a nurse that comes out, ma'am, I forgot my mask. You know, I, I don't know where, can I go buy one? She said, oh, just put your shirt over your nose. I said, the last one I saw did that, they almost arrested him. I don't want to put my shirt over my nose. I just need a mask. I don't want to fight with anybody. She goes, I can't give you mine, and I don't have one, but they'll give you one at the front counter. So I go there, and there's a long lineup, and everybody's got masks. Some have masks and shields. One lady had three masks and two shields. Two shields. I thought, my God, if I go there with no mask, they'll kill me. I said, Lord, what do I do? Do I miss the appointment? I don't know what to do. I'm standing there outside. And I'm thinking, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And I heard the Holy Ghost say, <laughs> you don't want to know what he said. <laughs> you, you said you won't get offended with me, right? I'm trying to explain to you dominion. He said, look in the garbage can. And I thought for a second, what? That, never, that thought never crossed my mind. I don't, I don't partake of garbage. I just don't. And there was a garbage can over there. And so I, I waited because some nurses are walking. And I don't know. So I waited. I waited. I waited, I waited, and then I, I'm t and I re didn't realize I was talking out loud. I was talking to the Lord. And one of the nurses kind of looked at me like, so I pulled out my phone like I was on the phone. And I said, yeah, yeah, yes, honey. And then when she wasn't looking, I said, yes, Holy Ghost, I don't know why you're asking me to do this. So, because sometimes you have to do that or they think you're crazy. I said, Lord, I, 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 I'm not sure about that. And I heard him say, look in the garbage can. So I, I sauntered over, and I just kind of a, a quick peek. And there's about 10 blue and white masks right on the top. I heard, I said, you judge me if you want. I don't care what you think. But I heard the Holy Ghost say, you can miss the appointment and wait two months for another one. Or you can pick up the mask. <laughs> and so I made sure nobody was looking. And I reached down real quick and I grabbed one of the masks. And then I'm walking and, I, and I'm looking just to see if there's anything on it. And, and this thought comes to my mind. This is not God. This is another thought from the devil. A thought comes to my mind. There's COVID in that mask. I thought that. Honestly, I heard that thought. There's COVID in that mask. Don't you put that on. Don't you put that on. And every rational thought in my mind, every rational bone says there probably is COVID in that mask. I don't know. So I did, and I said to the Lord, I'm holding it, and I heard that thought, and, and, I, and I said, I said, Lord, is that you? <laughs> I mean, I know it's not God, but I just had to ask because it was so loud. And I heard the Holy Ghost say to me, he said, if I told you to look in the garbage can, I wouldn't give you a COVID mask. And he said, son, even if there is, does it die in contact with your skin or not? And he reminded me of the bubonic plague in the palm of John G. Lake. And they put it under the microscope and they said, sir, explain this to us, the head doctor. I see the masses of, of germs, but they are dying on contact with your skin. Yes. 
And he said, because that is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, Romans 8, 2. Life comes out of me and it kills all works of darkness. He reminded me of that. And I answered that thought. I said, no, you don't. I said, this mask is sanctified by the blood of Jesus. And I put on that mask and I took a deep breath. <clears throat> on purpose, just to freak the devil out. And I was so proud of that mask. I walked in there. I just stood and smiled. They can't tell because I got a mask on. I smiled. I was beaming. I took as many deep breaths as I could just to show the devil I'm not afraid. Not that I was led by the Spirit to do that. I'm not just going scrounging garbage cans. Do you understand? You gotta be led by the Spirit. And I got up there and the lady said, would you please discard your mask? I would like to give you. I said, I don't wanna discard this one. This is a good one. She goes, sir, throw that one out. I said, okay, fine. And I threw it out and put on her mask. Now don't get offended with me. I'm just trying to teach you something. So many of you are so afraid. <laughs> you got, Deanne, stop laughing. you got to remember, <laughs> if you understand dominion, it oozes out. It comes out of your pores. <laughs> Why should it happen to John Lake and not to me? Was he, is he loves God? God loves him more? No, he simply met the, the, the criteria, the conditions. He simply believed. He simply believed. Life is inside of me. I'm not against anybody wearing masks. I'm not against anybody taking the vaccine, not taking the vaccine. Follow your spirit. When I'm out there, I wear masks everywhere I go because I want to abide by society's rules. I don't want to fight. I don't want people bothering me. I want to stay in that sweet place of peace. But I'm not wearing it because I'm afraid. I'm not against masks. I'm against fear. I'm not against vaccines. I'm not against doctors. I'm not against politicians. I'm not against the premier. I'm not against the rules. I'm against fear. I'm against fear. I will abide by their things, but I am not afraid. And I don't abide because I'm afraid. I abide because I yield. Are you with me? You don't want to live that way, don't. You'll live a tormented life. You'll live a tormented life. I don't live a tormented life. Hallelujah. I just can't, I can't get to the notes happy. I just, can't, I just, I keep trying to get to the notes. I don't even think I've got to my next point. I basically repeated last Wednesday's sermon. They come here, Dan, for something new. And all I did was repeat the points from last week and added a few little stories about dominion. But that's all I feel to do. So I'll have to pick it up another time. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. <laughs> I'm not telling you to take a mask out of the garbage. So don't, don't, don't write me a letter and tell me that. Okay? I'm not telling you that. I'm just saying, don't be afraid. <laughs> you know, Brother Hagen, the Lord rebuked him one day after he had preached and laid hands on all these people. You know there's germs on people's heads and hair, some of the hair products, I mean. Dear God. <laughs> and he started to eat, and the Lord spoke to him and said, Don't you ever eat a meal again after laying hands on people without washing your hands. And the Lord said, You are testing me. Now, I'm trying to bring a balance to this. God don't like you to test him like that. Be foolish. If you know there's germs, don't start stuffing your face. That's foolishness. Wash your hands. Even Dad Hagen, the great faith man, God said, don't test me. You do hygiene, cleanliness. 
But there are times, it's not a test when God says to John Lake, fill your hand with the plague. It's not a test if he says, put that on. The blood of Jesus covers you. When he's leading you, you're not testing. When you're just trying to be foolish, trying to be, I'm Mr. Tough Guy. Let's see what God can do. Remember, the devil said, Fall, jump off the temple and the angels will catch you. See, he was saying, test God. And Jesus said, we don't do that kind of stuff. He, they'll catch me up in their wings if it's needed, but I don't push it. Do you understand? It's like the people taking up the, giving mine to Geraldine. They're taking up the snakes. That's testing God. Well, the Bible says you take up dead as eggs. It's not talking about you taking up the rattlesnake in the service. It's talking about if the thing comes on you, like with Paul, and attaches itself to you. You know, David had one of the most poisonous snakes in all of Mexico. He was driving his tractor, cutting the lawn in his compound. And the snake wanted to get away from the tractor and jumped up on the tractor and bit him on the leg. And this snake has almost 100% fatality rate if you don't get to a hospital. Now, you see, he was going to go to the hospital, but the Holy Ghost said. You see, you've got to be led by the Spirit. The Holy Ghost spoke to him and said, I'm with you. But if the Holy Ghost didn't say that, you, you hightail it to the hospital. But he had a word from the Lord, and he understands dominion. And so he threw that snake off. He, he cut his head off. He killed it, took his machete and killed it. And then, and then he just kept driving. But after a little bit of while, his legs started swelling. And after a little bit of while, he started getting dizzy until he fainted and passed out. Found himself in the house. Miss Hogan was taking care of him. And he was in kind of a critical condition because that poison, see, his faith wasn't where Paul the Apostle's faith was to just shake it off. There are levels. But God still told him, I'm with you. So he lay there and he was in critical condition at his house. Let's take you to the hospital. The Lord told me that he'll be with me. But he had a word from God. It wasn't just him making a faith confession. That's the difference. And the next hour, he started to improve, and it took about two days. He was totally fine. But that snake has almost 100% fatality if you don't go to the hospital. And he didn't. And he didn't. But he said to me, he said, he said, my faith wasn't where it is for others where they can just go like this. But my faith on the progress. It took process. But God smoked that poison, and he survived without any ill effect afterward. But I'm just trying to say to you, not everything is as instant as... <laughs> Sometimes if your faith's not quite there yet, there'll be a bit of a fight. But you held your ground. With finances, it doesn't all just show up. You fight, you hold your ground. You command, you obey, you believe God. You're led by the Spirit. You make your confession, you believe. And it will surely come to pass. It might not be instant, but it will come. And the higher your faith gets, the closer to instant you'll get. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Glory, 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 glory. Holy Ghost, I obviously know that you went a different direction tonight. I couldn't get off that dominion. I just wasn't planning on teaching on it, but that's just what the Spirit of God was emphasizing. Don't be afraid. The Lord is with you. Don't be afraid. The Lord is with you. Are you listening to me, congregation? I know they're afraid out there. Don't be afraid. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with me. The Lord is with us. The Lord is with covenant. The Lord is with the blood. The word, the spirit, and the blood, they agree. I agree with them. I'm not going to disagree with the word. I'm not going to disagree with the blood. And I'm not going to disagree with the spirit. I'm going to agree with them because they agree together. First John says these three agree in heaven and these three agree on earth. The word, that's the water, the spirit, and the blood. If you go by the word and believe in the blood by the leading of the spirit, nothing can overcome you. Nothing can touch you.
Praise God. Hallelujah. Now don't go test God and pick up some dirty napkin and put it on your face unless he tells you to. You understand what I'm saying? Father, I bless them and I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Let this word be sealed in Jesus' name. Let it be sealed in Jesus' name. Let it be sealed. Let it be sealed. Let it be sealed in Jesus' name. And let us strike fear from our tents. Strike it from our minds. Push it out of our hearts. Let us meditate on who you've made us. Dominion-minded, covenant believers agreeing with the word, the spirit, and the blood. In Jesus' precious name. And everybody said, Amen.